Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic data-driven fantasy baseball analysis. I am your host, Toby. Today we are going to continue the series of profiles that we are doing, deep dives into hitters and pitchers based on ADP. We're starting off with the what I will call the least fun uh, group of people, which is very high up in the ADP where there is just very little uh it seems like to distinguish folks and all of everything you know my spreadsheets i color code them based on the percentile that players are in they're green if it's good and it's red if it's bad yellow if it's in the middle and it's just green 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 um and so it it may be a little bit boring but you always learn new things so today's episode is going to cover Jose Altuve obviously disappointing year last year and then Manny Machado who proved the villain in this year's playoffs. I've never been a huge Manny Machado guy, but these deep dives are so important because, you know, it really, at least, you know, and I say important for me as a fantasy analyst to do these, digging into each one of the categories that guys produce, it really gives you a sense of both what you can expect and sometimes illuminates pieces that you may have taken for granted in a guy's profile, like Machado. Uh, Machado is not a guy who I have loved um, in past years, largely because the speed has not been uh, not been a huge factor, and he's never, you know, he had the season where he had zero stolen bases, and then he had a season where he hit in the two fifties, largely because of a lack of luck um, in his BABIP, not because of any any skill regression, and so he hadn't really put it together. But after looking at his profile, there's incredibly consistent um, plate skills there. And when you look at a guy like Nolan Arenado, who goes, you know, three, four, five in a lot of drafts, this, the profile is very similar in terms of a guy who can hit for a high average, get you runs, get you home runs, get you RBIs. But Machado brings the stolen bases, and that's something that I hadn't considered. So that is a big point that has been illuminated for me, and he has moved up, uh, at least in my rankings, as Machado goes, uh, or as Arenado goes down. He's really the big faller so far in terms of my my rankings. Um, but uh, it's another deep dive. If you uh, if you enjoy this one, if it's the first one you're listening to, there are plenty uh, more that I've been putting out. I've been trying to put them out almost every day. Um, I'm going to have to pick up the pace if I want to get to all of these, but um, we'll see. Uh, that's going to be some late nights, but uh, I'll do my best to provide that. Anyways, I do hope you enjoy it. I think Altuve is a very compelling guy uh, this year, because of what happened last year, his first really down year, quote-unquote down year. And then uh, Machado is also an interesting guy because a lot of his value is going to be determined by where he ends up in free agency and because he, he finally was able to put it all together um, this year, I think. If you enjoy this uh, and or the other podcasts, please do go to iTunes or your preferred podcast platform. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, give us a five-star review. Um, or five-star rating and write a nice review. Tell your friends, retweet the podcast um, if you really like it. Uh, I can't tell folks how much I appreciate that happening. I know there's a number of people who do that every time I put it out, and I really um, I really thank you for that. You can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy, Instagram at BatFlipCrazy, Facebook at BatFlipCrazyFantasy. The blog is BatFlipCrazy.com. Twitter is probably the best place, though, uh, to get me. 
Um, let's dive into Jose Altuve and Manny Machado. Let's get this party started. All right, today we are going to take a look at Jose Altuve, second baseman for the Houston Astros. Currently has an average draft position in 10 early mock drafts of 11.5. So that's quite a dip, about nine, nine and a half spots from where he was going on average last year when he was pretty solidly second behind Mike Trout in terms of ADP. Let's take a look at the numbers. Just overall, Altuve was hurt last year. The Astros didn't report on what the injury was initially, but it turned out to be um, a pretty serious patella tendon injury in his knee, which may explain some of the downturn of his season. So it's important to remember that for context. Last year, he only had 599 plate appearances, which is his fewest um, in a number of years. He had 662 and 717 the years before that. Obviously, batting high up in the Astros lineup is going to help you in terms of plate appearances. He hit 315 last year after hitting 346 and 338 the two previous years. Generally speaking, you know, the underlying skills are fairly similar to what they have been in past years. When we take a look at um, decay rate, it's up slightly, about a half a percent, and that reflects a decrease in contact and in-zone contact overall for Altuve. He's still well above league average, 89.4%. Overall Z contact, that is about 4% above league average of 85.5%. Similarly, well above league average in overall contact percentage. So the the biggest reason for the, three point, the 315 uh, dip is both, um, you know, his BABIP is still pretty high at 350, but it's a decrease in home runs. You know, the BABIP doesn't take into consideration home runs, and he saw a pretty significant dip there, which we'll get to in a second. So that is one of the major reasons why we saw a drop in batting average for Altuve. Now, one thing to keep in mind is before the injury, which took place in late July, he actually had a batting average of two of 329 at that point in the season, uh, and he finished up at 315. He hit 276 over his final 154 plate appearances, and that was with a serious knee injury. So we may not want to put too much stock into that. From an on-base perspective, perspective Altuve is solid it's not because he generates really high walk rates it's because of that high batting average last year he was at 377 league average is 329 388 and 382 the years before that he actually saw a increase in his walk rate up to 9.2 percent after being in the eight percent range uh, the two previous years despite an o his o swing taking a little bit of a drop back to 34 percent Again, 31% is about league average for O-swing, which is the chase rate on pitches outside the zone. So I don't think the 9.2%, I don't really see a, a good reason for that necessarily. His swing rate overall is is down slightly, but it's only half a percentage point. So I would expect him to fall back into that 8% range. Not a huge drop, but if he doesn't boost the batting average, you're going to start to see his OBP move from very strong to just good. Still pretty solid. His overall uh, runs per plate appearance were also were also down last year, 14% after 16.9% and 15.1%. The previous years, 13.1% is about league average. This is a little bit of a surprise. The OBP is higher than league average, and he uh, obviously hits in a really good lineup. 
with the Astros. And so I wouldn't expect that 14% to hold if he can get that batting average back up, which, you know, you, it's, it's always hard to bank on a, you know, on a 315, a 320 batting average. But if there's anybody that can do it, it's Altuve, especially if he can regain that health. I would expect the run percentage to uh, go up just a little bit. He was probably unlucky when he was on the base paths. It also might reflect the decrease in stolen bases uh, that Altuve had. This was pretty much something that impacted a couple Houston runners, uh, including uh, Alex Bregman, who saw a decrease in his stolen base attempts. The good news um, for Altuve, which we'll get to again in a second, is that he was he did steal at a very high rate this year still. So 84 runs on that 14% run percentage and those limited number of plate appearances. I don't see a reason why he can't hop back into the triple digits for runs when we see a runs per plate appearance increase and hopefully we see uh, a return of those to those plate appearances. It's hard to project something like 700 plate appearances, but even at the 650 range, I, I like Altuve's chances of hitting triple digits in that lineup. Where we saw the, the biggest decrease overall in, in Altuve's profile was in his home runs. He hit at 24 home runs the two previous years. He only hit 13 home runs this last year. That is supported by expected home runs. The expected home runs actually had him outperforming um, his home runs at 24 for two consecutive years at 27 and 31.1. Had him at 16.4 expected home runs this year. So more than the 13 that he hit, but still not really um, not really where you want him to be. Uh, having him hit 20 or more home runs is just a huge bonus when you add in the stolen bases and the average. I don't necessarily see a reason why uh, Altuve can't hop back up to that uh, 20 range. He... You know, his hard hit rate is right around where it has been um, in the past overall. His ground ball rate has been up, but it's been up for two consecutive years, and that didn't stop him from hitting 24 last year. His home run for fly ball rate was really where we saw the biggest decrease from 14.6% last year to 9.6% this year. Again, we did see a little bit of a dejuicing of the ball, which would impact uh, Altuve considerably, but I still think the 9.6 is a bit low. Um, for him, his expected home run per fly ball rate is about 12.1%, right around league average of 12.7%. I think that's much more uh, likely uh, to be what we see from Altuve moving forward. And so that would see him bumped up to that 16.4 mark, add in the additional plate appearances, and you're getting near that 20 mark uh, that we're looking for from Altuve. His home uh, hard hit fly ball percentage was at 41.5%, above uh, league average at 37.5%. Percent. Uh, that's the league average is that 37.5 percent mark and above from actually last year 38.4 percent. Um, his hard hit pulled fly ball rate was also up from last year 22.2 percent last year up to 26.8 percent this year still below league average of 32.6 percent. That's definitely an area where Altuve could uh, increase his power with the short porch uh, in Houston the Crawford boxes. Uh, that could be an area where he might be able to have a little bit of an improvement, but again, better than he has been the last couple years there. His barrels did take a dip down to 4.5% of plate appearances, 27 overall. That's down from 5.6% and 5.1%, but his average home run distance was the highest it's been in three years at 399 feet. A lot of those home runs are going into the Crawford boxes, at least the ones that he hits at home. Um, and so 
that's just something to consider with that home run distance. You don't need to hit the ball as far um, as normal. The overall landscape when we look at the home runs is there's no glaring reason why um, he saw such a decrease um, in his home runs last year. You know, it's not the hard hit fly ball percentage. It's not that he's making particularly worse contact. I think it is that home run per fly ball rate uh, being a lot lower. So I do anticipate at least a little bump in home runs for next year. RBI, uh, 61 at a 10.2%. Uh, RBI per plate appearance, that's down um, over the last two years when he was at 13.4% and 12.2%. That may reflect the fact that he was hitting second in the Astros lineup as opposed to third where he had been the last couple years. It'll be interesting to see where the Astros lineup ends up um, next season. Obviously, Springer will likely be hitting leadoff. Will it be Bregman or Altuve in the two-role um, that could dictate who gets uh, more RBI opportunities there. Definitely like Altuve if he's hitting in the third spot with Bregman in front of him getting on base a ton. But again, RBIs are normally, you know, a product of opportunity. And he maybe he just wasn't wasn't getting that. George Springer also had a little bit of a down year, so that may also be reflected in that RBI percentage being down. Don't see any reason why it won't bump up at least a little bit, particularly if the average uh, improves. When we take a look at stolen bases, this is where a lot of fantasy owners, I think, are giving him a knock in value. 17 last year after consecutive years of 30 or more. Uh, his stolen bases per plate appearance dipped to 2.8% from 4.8% the year before and 4.2% uh, the year before that. Still well above league average. And the good news is, is that his stolen base success rate was at 81% last year, 84.2%. The year before and 75% the, uh, the year before. So he's right around that marker and he's above the 75% that you really need uh, to make stolen bases worth it. In terms of his stolen base opportunities, he actually had more stolen base opportunities this year at 265 than he did uh, the year before at 252. But he only stole, attempted a stolen base on 7.9% of those opportunities compared to 15.1% and 14.7% the two years before that. And so I think that is something that we may look to. The knee injury obviously impacts that, but he was also running at a, a lower rate even before that. And again, that, that was also the case for some other Astros. So maybe it's just a change in philosophy. Obviously, analytics, you know, doesn't push uh, stolen bases, you know, that much, you know, or not necessarily analytics, but with, with increase in home run and a focus on extra base hits, stolen bases become less vital. But again, the stolen base success rate is at a level where um, it's a net positive in terms of scoring runs. So hopefully that will return. The one thing that I would highlight for folks is just the impact of that knee injury. So when we look at before and after the knee injury, before in 454 plate appearances, as I mentioned before, he was hitting 329 with nine home runs. He was 14 out of 16 for stolen bases. His hard hit rate was at 35.4%, right around the average. His ground ball rate was at 44.3%, uh, right around league average. And his hard hit fly ball rate was actually at 43.6%, uh, which is really strong. His pre-injury pace um, uh, at his average plate appearances for the last three years of 689 would have put him on a 329-97-14-70-21 pace, which would be awesome. I mean, that's not necessarily the levels that he'd been hitting at previously, but it is, um, it is a phenomenal return. And again, I don't see a reason why both those home runs and those stolen bases can't give get a little bit of a bump. 
Now, after that, he only had 145 plate appearances, 276, four home runs, three for five in stolen bases, 26.2% hard hit rate, 52% ground ball rate, 32% hard hit fly ball rate. So all of those key indicators, those metrics, all took a crash. And so that's one thing to consider with Altuve's value is I think you're really seeing recency bias at play here. He was injured. Again, he wasn't on pace for the same type of season. But in some ways, Altuve's always been an accumulator. When you average 689 plate appearances over the, over three seasons, that is going to be one of the reasons why you get um, a lot of those counting stats. And so um, if Altuve can stay healthy and, and put up another year with that many plate appearances, I don't see why he won't bring back top 10 value and why he can't sneak up there among the league leaders once again. Now, the last thing we will do is we'll take a look at the rolling average graph. And one of the reasons why the rolling average graph for Altuve is so critical is because it does highlight over the 40 games, it really highlights what took place with Altuve's approach. And that was he actually saw an increase in um, in his overall contact rate. That's not necessarily surprising. A lot of times when guys get injured, um, what we tend to see is that contact rate may even take a leap because they're just trying to make contact with the ball. Where we see an impact is with the batted ball profile. And we see that a huge spike in ground ball rate, you know, all the way up to close to 55% uh, by the middle of September, down a little bit again, but hovering over 50% consistently there in that 40-game rolling average, well above where he was earlier in the year. And then we just see the hard hit rate plummet um, all the way down into the 20s. uh, take a peek. I, I posted on Twitter um, at BatFootCrazy uh, the rolling average graph, and then I put a line where he got injured, and you can see pretty clearly his O swing percentage actually did improve after that period of time, maybe being slightly more selective, but it wasn't where it was, where it has been um, earlier in the season. Um, and so, you know, just look at that batted ball profile. That's a huge indicator of injury, and we see that with Altuve. To summarize, I think Altuve is going to be a gift to fantasy owners, especially if his 11.5 ADP holds. The skill set that made him a top two player is still in place, but because of injury and because of a slow start to the season, which really, you know, a lot of the Astros uh, hitters struggled early in the season, I think that uh, that put him on, on pace below what you would traditionally see from Altuve. I don't see a reason why the home run numbers can't increase at least to get him closer to 20 and I do think that we're in for a rebound in stolen bases I'm not sure we're going to get to that rate you know that 15% stolen base opportunity percentage um, you know that 4.8% but why not a return you know to that 4% stolen base per plate appearance and maybe a closer to 14% stolen base opportunity percentage he certainly um, you know has earned that with the with the large uh, or the high stolen base success rate So in closing, I really do think Altuve is definitely a top 10 pick next year. Um, You know, there's some really great hitters at the top there with Trout, uh, with Betts, with Jose Ramirez, even a Christian Yelich who I'll I'll cover maybe later this week. So when all is said and done, I think that Altuve will regain some of the form at least that he's had in previous season. And I do think he'll bring value um, and I could see drafting him anywhere after those top three and and I wouldn't bat an eye at it. I will probably have him maybe just because of the just the pure quality of hitters. I may have him uh, more towards the middle of the first round in a 15-team league. 
um, but definitely uh, not at that 11 uh, to 12 ADP range. I'll have them before between then. Uh, before then, that has been a very deep dive into Jose Altuve. Uh, I like I like him heading into next year as long as we uh, see him regain the health in that knee. Next up, we are going to take a look at Manny Machado. Shortstop for a yet-to-be-determined team. If I was a betting man, I would say that team is likely to be the Yankees. Um, but we shall, we shall see what ends up happening there. In terms of eligibility, positionally, next year for Machado, he does have shortstop eligibility for sure. That's where he played the bulk of his games. He, depending on your league rules, and this will be something important to look at, he may or may not have eligibility at third base as well. He had 16 games played at third base, so if you have 10 or 15 as the threshold for player eligibility, you are in good shape in terms of dual eligibility. In most of my leagues, it's 20. It's either you know the position you play most or 20 games at a position for eligibility, and so he does fall short of that threshold. So that's one key thing to think about when you look at Manny Machado in drafts, especially with, you know, just the movement of players, the the splits, the platoons that we see happening more and more as teams try to maximize value. Having guys who can play at multiple positions um, is key. You know, obviously another factor in that is the 10-day DL and the fact that, fact that a lot of teams um, will rest players by putting them on that 10-day DL Having that type of flexibility is critical. So that could be an added bonus for Machado. His average draft position in the ten early, two early mock drafts was 11.6. So right behind our buddy Jose Altuve, who we covered earlier in the podcast. In terms of games and just overall um, plate appearance, Machado has been the um, he has been the picture of health the last couple years. Uh, 696, 690, and 709 plate appearances. He has, he kind of has, you know, um, in terms of batting average, he's had two seasons in the 290s, 294 and 297, sandwiched in with a 259 uh, last year in uh, 2017. You know, if we look, when we look at the skills behind that, that's largely a product of his BABIP. He had a 265 BABIP, uh, which is well below his, his over 300 BABIP uh, in the years that he had a 290 batting average, 309 and 304. That looks to be the serious outlier, particularly when you look at Machado's contact skills. You know, they are incredibly consistent. Um, 79% in three consecutive years for contact, which is above league average. And then 88% within 0.5% for three years, uh, between 87.8% and 88.3%, well above league average for in-zone contact as well. And that's reflected in his strikeout rate, 17.2% to 16.7% to 14.7% this last year. That is huge when a guy has that type of contact skills along with his power. It provides a pretty stable um, batting average, which we love to see, and will also help his OBP, which we'll get to in a second. Now, one of the reasons why Machado has such a low K rate, even though he's only a little bit better than league average, is that he's super aggressive um, in the zone, his in-zone swing percentage, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe it's right around 75%, which is about 8% above league average. So he's swinging at a lot of pitches inside the zone, which means even if he's not making contact uh, with 
with it all the time, um, he, he's swinging at more pitches. And so, um, you know, if he swings and misses on one, you know, he's likely to swing at another one and not miss. So 14.7% K rate, uh, which is really solid. I like that, that batting average up there in the, in the 290 range. I see no reason why he can't um, continue that. Now, remember that he did play a lot of his games in um, Camden Yards, uh, which is a favorable hitting park, especially for a right-hander with power. And so that's one thing just to consider is that, you know, in terms of park factors, he's, you know, Yankee Stadium is always a, a step up, um, at least in terms of, of home runs. But it's not a huge step up from Camden. And so that's one thing just to consider as we think about what park he ends up as a free agent. OBP, uh, 367 last year after 310 the year before and 343 the year before that. Again, that 2017 looks more and more the outlier. When we look at his O swing or his chase rate, our best indicator for his walk rate, um, 29.7% a career low, which is solid, about 1% uh, better than league average, which is great. His 9.9% walk rate is a little bit, um, it's not fluky necessarily, but it's because he saw a massive increase in intentional walks up to, he got, he was intentionally walked 18 times last year after I believe three the year before that. And so that pretty much uh, makes that, that increase up to 9.9% from 7.2% the year before that and 6.9% the year before that. Remember, he swings at a lot of pitches inside the zone. And so even though his O swing percentage is better than league average, um, he's still swinging at a lot of pitches, which is going to keep that walk rate a little bit lower. So in terms of OBP, obviously the three uh, the 367 um, is a solid OBP. It's not great um, if you're in an OBP league. He's not, it's not something that would send me send him up higher in the first round, for instance. So that's one thing to consider is that in OBP leagues, if anything, he's going to take a little bit of a hit because there are guys um, who are a little bit behind him in maybe average drafts who who have better OBPs. When we look at his runs, 11.8% last year after 11.7% the year before that in terms of runs per plate appearance. Not necessarily surprising because he was in a putrid Orioles lineup. Um, you know, it would be interesting. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but to see if he got a little bit of a bump when he went over to the Dodgers, given they have the better lineup. If he ends up with the Yankees, I would anticipate that this will, will bounce its way up particularly since he has above league average OBP. So that's one thing to consider with his new team is where is he going to get slotted in the lineup? Is that going to benefit him in terms of runs based on who's hitting behind him or RBIs based on who's hitting in front of him? That is going to be a huge um, piece to Machado's value, and I see no reason why he can't, he can't, get, um, he can't get into triple digits into 100-plus uh, runs um, if he maintains his health and continues to hit as he has been hitting in what I'm going to guess is a better lineup than what he was in with the Orioles. For his home runs, dude's got legit power, over 30 home runs the last three years, 37 in 2016, 33 last year, 37 uh, this year. Uh, that The expected home runs support that, 33.7, 33.9 the year before that, and 31 this year. So he did go well over his expected home runs by six this year. But as a guy who has now hit over 30 home runs for three consecutive years, I think um, expecting a home run total in the low 30s is not reasonable, uh, is not unreasonable by any stretch of the imagination. He's right around 5% in terms of his home runs per plate appearance. 
the last three years. Again, similar numbers in terms of his expected home runs per plate appearance. His hard hit rate is up in the high 30s, so not elite territory necessarily, but uh, solid overall. His ground ball rate actually has gone up a little bit. I'll get to that in his rolling average graph. But um, it's at 40%, which is down from last year's 42.1%, but at 37.3% was his three-year low in 2016. Home run per fly ball rate, right around uh, 16%, 15-16% for three consecutive years. Again, looks very solid. Hard hit fly ball rate, you know, Machado's hard hit fly ball rate doesn't jump off the page. It's right around league average at 36.4%, 37.5% is league average. He does pull a good number of those, 36.6%, a three-year high this past year for Machado, 4% above the 32.6% hard hit pulled fly ball rate league average. His barrels per plate appearance was at a three-year high as well, 8.5% there. Uh, 60 barrels, an average home run distance of 403 feet, six feet above league average. Again, all of those power numbers are solid, if not spectacular. You can pretty much uh, bank on him getting those uh, 30, 30 home runs, low 30 home runs. RBI, for the first time, he had over, he had triple digits in terms of RBIs, 107. What's amazing is that he actually got close to that number on an Orioles team that is just atrocious when it came to OBP and having runners on base for him. 96, 95, and then 107 are the numbers. 13.8%, 13.8%, and then 15.1% this year. Depending on which lineup he ends up in, I think that 15% uh, rate is going to be uh, is going to be where you where you can expect Machado to finish, um, if not higher. You know, if he's in the Yankees lineup with, you know, at batting behind, you know, Aaron Hicks, maybe Brett Gardner, um, you know, uh, whoever else is in that lineup at the at the top is escaping me right now. But you get the point. Um, he has the potential to be a real RBI threat. You know, what I'm actually thinking about right now as I think about Machado um, is there's there's some really clear uh, similarities between Machado and Nolan Arenado. When you look at guys who are going to hit, you know, 390s, maybe even low 300s, RBI machines, uh, runs being very solid as well, uh, home runs in the, three, in the 30s, but Machado actually has the possibility of stealing bases. Um, you know, 14 this past year, nine last year after zero the year before that. That was probably the Orioles protecting Machado a little bit after his serious knee injury uh, the year before that. Um, in those 14 stolen bases, the really good news for Machado. And, you know, depending on what team he ends up with, that, that could dictate how many uh, stolen base opportunities or attempts he has. But he stole at an 87.5% success rate last year, which is a three-year high for him. It was not good. It was 0%, obviously, in that uh, zero stolen base year. 69.2% last year when he had nine stolen bases. So either he got wiser and picked his spots a little bit better or he was getting better jumps. Whatever it was, he was successful last year, which is really good news. In terms of his stolen base opportunities... Very consistent over the last three years, 221, 231, 231. And the last two years, 5.6% and 6.9% in terms of his stolen base attempts um, percentage there. 
uh, which is which is fine. It's not great, but again, he's a guy who gets a ton of plate appearances. He's getting on base at a decent clip. This is really nice, you know. Heading into this deep dive in his profile, I hadn't really even considered uh, putting Machado above Arenado, but I think I'm going to have to do that. When I look at the grand scheme of things, stolen bases are so important. I think there's enough slip showing in Arenado's profile that I would that I will rank Machado. Um, uh, ahead of ahead of him, um, I think that that's something that I'm going to do. Uh, taking a look at the rolling average graphs for Machado, um, you know, one of the things that you know, again, he is a solid, tried and true hitter. You don't want to read too much into smaller samples, but when we look at his 80 game rolling average for his ground ball rate, that's the only area of real concern for me. It's up at 44.4 percent which, you know, he, he hit that in 2017 as well. He didn't in 2016. So it is kind of a three-year high in terms of his ground ball rate up at 45%. We don't want to see that. We want to see him hitting the ball in the air. So that's just one thing to be, be aware of. But his hard hit rate is also up over that period of time, 41%. Oh, swing is fine. Z contact still above league average. So there's nothing that's just really jumping out and glaring there. It's just something to note in terms of Manny Machado's profile. You know, one of the reasons why I really love doing these profiles and going this in depth is that it really does help paint a picture of what happened in a given season. And you can't always know that that's going to continue to happen. But after diving into Machado, I'm a little bit more impressed. I've never been a huge fan because the stolen bases haven't been there. But with two straight years of decent number of stolen bases. I think it is it is safe to move him ahead of a guy like Arenado, uh, maybe some other guys who aren't uh, stolen base threats. I could see really clear reasons to go him, especially if he lands in a really nice spot um, higher up. I know that Eno Saris, for instance, in a recent draft took him as high as fifth. I don't know if I'd go that high, but I can see a reason uh, to push him above um, guys who, who maybe have um, fewer stolen bases. Uh, you're not going to get a lot of those in my top of the draft, but um, you know I can see I can see pushing Machado up a couple spots. You know, um, definitely ahead of Arenado, I think. So one thing to consider. So in summary, when you're looking at Manny Machado, you are really looking at a guy who's going to contribute solidly in four categories: batting average, runs, home runs, uh, RBI. He's going to be okay in OBP. I'll give him like a half. Score there, he's above league average, but not that much, not high enough to be elite. And then the stolen bases are going to be or should be pretty solid, you know, uh, high single digits, uh, low teens, I think we can expect next year. And then depending on where he ends, that will, I think, determine a lot of whether he hits that ceiling uh, or that floor with the very consistent plate skills that he's shown over the last three years. That is going to wrap us up for episode 31 of the Bat Flip Crazy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, the best place to reach me is at Bat Flip Crazy on Twitter. If you enjoy what you heard, please do go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating and a nice review. Uh, always appreciate it when uh, folks are willing to do that. This was a fun podcast. I learned some new things about Jose Altuve and Manny Machado. We've got a couple really 
interesting players coming up in the next couple podcasts. The next one will cover Alex Bregman and Ronald Acuna. Um, and that should, my Bregman analysis may come as a little bit of a surprise to folks who know how much I love Alex Bregman. He's probably my favorite player uh, to watch. Um, and then following that will be Christian Yelich and Chris Sale. So some interesting profiles coming up. Definitely give those a listen when they do come out. But I really do appreciate folks listening. It's awesome. Really appreciate it. Best of luck with all of your fantasy research. Take care and be kind to one another. Thank you.